everybody. Welcome to another Step Outside podcast. You're listening up to Birdie. I uh, hope you're keeping well out there, whatever you're doing. Got us in on today's show. They're doing a bit of catching bait at night time. And have also uh, just bank fishing. You don't need a boat. Yeah, just throw it in off the bank. But to talk more, we've got the bloke, and the best in the business when it comes to this sort of stuff. Uh, we're talking, of course, to Pete Johnson. PJ, hello, mate. How are you? Thanks for uh, joining us, buddy. Yeah, good day, Bertie. How are you? And uh, good day to all your listeners out there. Thanks, mate. Uh, I've got to say to you, uh, mate, you, you've moved to, to to God's country down there at uh, at Old Bar. Was that just south of uh, Port Macquarie? Yeah. Yeah, it's about um, fifty minutes drive from Port Macquarie and half an hour north of Foster. Yep, nice little spot. Yeah, so um, it's a very relaxed little village atmosphere, and slightly getting bigger, but it's mm. a beautiful part of the mid north coast here in New South Wales. Mate, um, we did some stuff there in the in the show that you may have seen there, catching bait at night. Now, this is something that I've never really. I mean, I've done that for you know pippies and all that sort of stuff, but for catching beachworms, I mean, that was uh, a lot of people find it hard and they struggle catching beachworms at the best of the time throughout the middle of the day. But at night time, a little bit different. Uh, they they were a little bit sketchy, but we got a few um, instantly through the mount cords and tarwine. Mate, have you ever caught bait at night off the beach? Yeah, I have. I've picked up a few pippies under my feet. You feel them under your feet. Yeah. Um, I haven't deliberately targeted them doing the pippy shuffle. But what I have deliberately done at night is caught ghost crabs because they are a really gun bait for big brim. Really? The ghost crabs, the ones that run up and down the sand dunes and go into their hole? That's the ones, you know, they, 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 they nest up the back of the beach up towards the dunes, yeah, yeah. where the, where the um, long ribbon grass grows and that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really? They're good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and they're they a really, really dynamite bait for wow. uh, big green. Mate, that's, and, uh, uh, it, I didn't know that. And there's a, in the same area, there's like we call them milkworms. Uh, they're about an inch long, inch and a half long. Yep. And they're white. Right. And they're about the thickness of a nylon broom bristle. Huh. You know, the heavy, heavy, heavy duty one. And you get them by dragging a bit of plywood across the sand. Right. And, and, and you drag it through and you'll just see the little tails caught at the back of the um, board and you stop and you grab it and put it in a, in a, a tin and say, them. they're a really good whiting bait. Mate, uh, another good whiting bait, obviously, you know, the standard beach worms, but your dewies that you catch, and I know you, you ca- target uh, Big Mulloway quite regularly, you do quite well down there, is, uh, yeah. mate, the, the Mulloway, they tend to get into those shallower low tide or high tide gutters, but at low tide you can tell the gutter they're going in because there's a lot of undulation, ankle breakers, mm. you know, when you run into the surf yep. and you trip into the holes, they get in there, but they, they do this little bit of a shuffle. Do you know much about that? Um. I do know on a calm night you can smell them. Yes. Yeah, they smell like turpentine. <laughs> and they're in there rolling on the bottom yep. of the gutter. Yeah. Um, and that smell of their, their slime attracts the worms out. And then they see the worm head and they suck a great big gut full of sand to get the worm. But um, the, the undulations gives them room to swim in. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I knew that that stench brought the worms out and uh, and, and, mm. they, and they've got really sharp gills as well so they can really grab hold of a lot of things. Because the worst thing is, the last thing you want to do is like a cod, is uh, put your fingers through the gills of a dewy. I mean, generally you'll get, no. you'll, you'll get your fingers back, but they'll be serrated. Well, we do, we do the gill lift 
it, when I'm fishing for them in a boat, when I was fishing for a living, I didn't want to put a gas mark in them because, you know, yeah. it puts a bruised area into the fish and it takes a few dollars a kilo off. But if you run your, your fingers along the flank of him from behind the gills and straight up with, with your knuckles on the scales, you go into his gills and you'll feel a lug. That's the um, the hinge of his jaw and inside. It's a beautiful handle. And then when you when you grab your fingers around that, you can you can lift a six to ten kilo dewy at one hand at that way. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. And and do you find that the dewies as you get older, uh, you know, they they or as they get older and bigger, they're different taste to the smaller dew. Now this is something you and I have discussed before. You tend to like eating the bigger fellas. <laughs> I do. Right? Yeah. Whereas down here, yeah. I think a six to ten kilo fish is about it. Is that right, eh? But yeah, I, I, I find their texture still good and the flavour still yeah. good. Yeah. The bigger fish tend to get a bit dry, and I don't know what you're like up there on the Goldie and further north, but we get um, the bigger dew down here often get um, that nematode worm. Right, yes. That's like the little white worm in the flesh, yeah? Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. They've got a little head on them, a tail. and Yeah, they look like a tadpole. You know, yeah, yeah. So um, we tend to get those in the bigger fellas here. Um, but I just I just think the younger fellas have got a, uh, a better taste to them. And, and you like the, the flavour of the old ones. I do, because we, you know, we, we, we call the smaller Jew the soapy Jew because they've got a, a very distinct sort of, sort of a taste, whereas the, the bigger ones I just found it to be a nice chunk of flesh. And if they do have that worm in it, then, you know, clearly you, uh, you just you know, pull, it, anyway. pull it out. It's not yeah, a problem there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, protein. yeah. But, um, and I, I, I like to take the fillets off, and when you take the fillets off and you skin them and then you thin the fillet down, you find the worm easy enough anyway, and it's generally up in around the rib cage somewhere. Yeah, that's right, exactly. But I don't like eating around the rib cage of a fish, of any fish, actually. I always found, found that part to be a little bit too, can be a bit tough and a little bit sort of sinewy or a little bit sort of stronger. Uh, so I, I like yeah. to, to, to leave that. So I love the shoulder section down to the tail. That'll be the pick, pick uh, part of the fillet for me. Mate, um, Fishing, uh, fishing at night time uh, and, and throughout the day, but off the bank, you don't need a boat. Mate, structure is key, important to fishing, isn't it? Like for people wanting to get out there and have a crack, what is it they should be looking for? Just obviously, you know, it depends on the species they're targeting too. Well, when, when you know, I, when I do my talks at the boat show and fishing clubs and things like that, I always tell me uh, audience that, Fish are like people, and we need two basic things to survive. We need food and we need structure. Yep. Now, that structure can come in the form of a reef or um, mangrove roots or it can be a, a rock bar or it can be a point which has an eddy. Yeah. And when you, when, when you get a tide coming down a river off the bank, mm. it'll hit a point mm. and you'll get an eddy at the back end of it and it swirls around, that's where the food is. Now, classic places where you and I have fished in that river up the north coast, mm. where we're just on the edge of the eddy as the tide was coming in, mm. and we got heaps of brim, and I was only up there a couple of weeks ago doing the same thing again. Off the bank, you need to be looking for somewhere where the water will drop off down into a bit of a deeper channel, but also where it's going to have something that's going to attract the fish. Mm. So if it's a hole... The, the tide will come across that and then there'll be like a turbulent area over the top of the hole and there'll be like an eddy in the bottom and the fish will sit in there and wait for the particles of food to come to them. And that's, that's what, a good place to fish. And that's what people, that, that, I mean, you know, if you're first-timers or just getting into it or if you're 
you know, maybe you're accustomed to doing a different style of fishing. I mean, this is important stuff, is to, to visually mm. locate those corners, locate the eddies, which are easily to see. What sort of weight should you be using in those those eddies there, PJ? Should they be running a, a heavy lead to, to sink it down to the bottom, or should they be sort of like a, a lighter sink at a float line, their bait gradually get you, it down? You want, like any form of fishing, you want to fish as light as you can get away with. So it's, it depends on the strength of the tide, depends on the size of the sinker you need to hold in the eddy. And, you know, like, it, it can vary too. You can do three or four sinker changes over the uh, over the course of a tide mm. quite yeah. easily. And if, if it's a bigger river, and especially if it's had a bit of rain, it'll be running a lot harder. It might be unfishable for the um, best part of the tide. And that last hour of the run in, or the last hour of the, uh, or the first hour of the run out, they're going to be the slower stages of the tide. That's when you might want to concentrate your effort on them. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to go to all that trouble and get your bait, get your bait off the, the beach of the night and fish the beach, mm-hmm. you want to be sitting fishing there on prime time. And same is what you want to do when you're fishing off the bank in the river. Yes. Be there in prime time. I know we sort of digressed a little bit away from getting the bait off the beach, but um, it doesn't matter. If you're on a river bank, and you're fishing one of those eddies close to deep water and it's a rocky shoreline, I'd be looking for black crabs for bait. Yeah, okay. Black crabs. Grim love them. Yeah, right. Grim love them, yeah. And, they're, and they're, look, that's a lot of fun to catch too for the, you know, you got the kids there, just get a small torch and probably a, a little scoop net or something like that. Is that what you want to do? No, 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 no. We just, we, we just turn the rocks over and just quickly put your cupped hand over and grab them and put them in a bucket. Oh, those small, not the, not the purply coloured ones that you get in the, in the crevices. Those sorts no, of no, 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 not the ocean rock okay. ones. Yeah, no. So if you get the little black crab, yep, um, or okay. in, they're they're doing them on bait. Mm. They would be. I, yeah. I can imagine. That. And in in fast running water, yeah. especially like we've got a spot here in the Hawkesbury um, called the Vines, and that was a dynamite bait there. And Barrera Creek was the same. I learned learned in Barrera Creek off Dad would go and get the black crabs and would drift the shoreline and you toss these unweighted crabs towards the shoreline Yeah, and uh, as the, the crab drifts down with the tide, the brim would come out from their, their, their nooks and crannies and they'd just smash them. There's no tap, tap, tap when you're using black crabs for brim. It's just a yeah. big almighty take. And uh, um, in recent years, I was doing a fair bit of it with um, that little mate of mine, Ronnie Abdillard, you know. Yeah. And uh, Ronnie, Ronnie's a very good proponent of, of black crab fishing in, in the, the river. Yeah. And um, so it doesn't matter whether you're in the Hawkesbury or it doesn't matter if you're in the Parramatta River or up here in the Manning, which is my local river, yeah. even down in Foster along the break walls, you can drop those black crabs down there. And if there's a brim there, he will nail it. Okay, that's fair enough, mate. So, I mean, and that's a good thing because local bait, local bait's the best thing. You don't want to go out there with something that's foreign that the fish aren't used to because instantly your your catch rate is going to be dropped, isn't it? I mean, you're you're an ex pro, so you you know what to use in the right situation. Is that the the best advice you can give someone as well as to have the right bait? Have the right bait for the species you're targeting. Like if you just want to throw, you know, something like an unweighted prawn or something into a wash. Um, you, you, you're going to take pot luck. You'll get brim. You'll get whiting. You'll, you'll, you know, you get flattered if it gets to sit on the junction of rock and sand. But if you want to target brim off a rocky shoreline, black crabs would be the go. Same as I'm not going to chase mangrove jack with nippers. Yes, I'm, I'm going to go and, and, and get me potty mullet and, and 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 drift them past them. You know, so study up on what you want to catch and then use the right bait. 
And that's and that's super important, mate. And and obviously, braid mono. What do you think's a, a better option for people? Uh, well, I use both, as you know, but I have. Well, how would you say it? I have a very strong dislike for braid when there's rocky areas. It doesn't have the abrasion resistance. Like if it's only got to hit a, uh, under load an oyster shell, it's gone in a hurry. Whereas with um, monofilament, it tends to scrape it along a bit and you'll get a scuffed area of line up, but you'll get the fish in, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's super important. But also fluorocarbon leader is a super important thing to have over standard mono. Oh, it's I don't, I don't fish without it now. Yeah. I don't fish without it. It doesn't matter whether I'm using nylon or braid. I think fluorocarbon would have been one of the greatest innovations for fishing, presenting your bait or your lure, that we've seen in the last 15 years. Mate, I know that's a big, big call. It's a big call. It, it, to, to me, it's the business end of the line. It doesn't matter about whether you're using a $450 rod and reel out of a $65,000 boat with $3,000 worth of electronics. What you do with the $10 lure or the $20 lure or the $0.05 cent hook, if you can't present that, you're not in the game. Yeah. So fluorocarbon just gives that little bit more uh, invisibility in the water. You know, It just takes away any concern that the fish uh, can see. Because and then, of, oh, Sorry, you keep, keep going, mate. Then the next colour and breakdown is pink. That's why I've always been a fan of um, platypus in pink or and in pink because it dissolves into the water quicker than other colours in the spectrum. People are actually um, utilising their fluorocarbon and putting it completely on their spool now. Uh, you yeah. Know, yeah, absolutely, particularly for whiting. Uh, I, I did a little bit of fishing there with Clint Ansell. He's got a, a charter company on the Gold Coast, Gold Coast River Charters. Really good. But he wades the flats. He gets out there and he wades the flats and puts an unweighted yabby, no sinker, no split shot, no swivel, and mm-hmm. uh, and he just casts out and uh, he uses a four-pound fluorocarbon direct to the hook and he'll cast the yabby out and basically in two foot of water as the tide fills over the over the yabby banks and he just walks mm-hmm. really, really slightly with the bail arm open and you just see the you just see the line start peeling off and you obviously you've sort of you know, feeling it on your on your index finger, and it takes off, and just lock the bail arm over, and bang, you're, you're on. But yeah, that's that's, it. that's yeah. how he's catching his his whiting. But straight fluorocarbon, four pound on the spool, a smaller one yeah. and two two and a half thousand size spin reel, like a Shimano Sedona or a Sienna, something, you know, nothing too fancy. You don't need too fancy for that stuff. But you know, that's um, that's what he's doing and catching a hell of a lot of fish. Well, I, I, like I said, I use fluorocarbon on everything now, and. I'll only put um, somewhere between 10 to 20 foot of fluorocarbon on as a leader because over uh, the fishing sessions, you're going to lose a bit each time you have to retie or you just break off. Um, it, 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 it's never it's it's never not in my boat or in my tackle box. It's, it's always a mainstay. And we've mucked around with different leaders over the years, but fluorocarbon, it's the number one choice. 
Mate, certainly yeah. is. And, and of course, um, you know, the rods that you're using these days, graphite composites, etc., compared to the old fiberglass. And before that, Rangoon Cane. We won't go that far back, BJ, but, mate... Um, well, I do. Actually, well, hang on. The, ra- the, ra- the Rangoon Cane um, rod is still... Yeah, is seven still... inch, seven inch <laughs> cedar albies and 14 foot Rangoon Cane rod sufficient for bait balls for Jews. Yeah. Mate, mate the, only, the only 14 foot Rangoon Cane pole that I have has got a gaff hook on the end of it. To pull the Jewfish up off the rock walls. That's it. Mm. <laughs> Mate, um, when you are fishing the banks, and we talked obviously about structure and changing the weight of the sinker to suit the current that's moving in, you might change the three or four times in a single tide change, I guess. But mm-hmm. also um, the hooks. Is there a different coloured hook that you prefer to use? You're mentioning about coloured lines, but when, you, when you're talking about hook, because you, you get your bloodworm hooks, which are red, and then you've got yep. your Gamakatsus that come in silver and also uh, black or grey. Mate, is there a preferred colour to suit a bait that you would use and recommend? Uh, if I'm fishing for Ludwig, I always use my mustard snacks because they're green, they hide in the weed or the cabbage. Yeah. Um, but I've used red and black hooks for brim and snapper, flathead. I've used uh, mustard wide gate hooks, flathead. Um, they're like your Gamma Cats and Shiners. I've used them in pink. Um, for some reason, the, the hook colour hasn't really been an issue because I guess I'm presenting the bait in the right method. Well, that's and and that's super important. Do you half hitch? Yeah, over you the, know, the main thing was the main thing was you've got to have an exposed hook point to do the job. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's super. And a sticky hook is a good hook. And people might ask, "What's a sticky hook?" Sticky. One that scratches your fingernail. If yeah. Or if you just drag it over the surface of your fingernail and it leaves a white line, that's good. If you just put it on the fingertip and it, it just sticks there, yeah, that's a sticky hook. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very sticky hook. That's the hook you want. And that's it. And chemically sharpened hooks has made the game easier for us guys. You know, yeah. like because. Back in the old days, we used to carry, you know, little pocket stones in a tackle box and you'd drag a hook across and touch it up with a stone here and there and all of a sudden, these chemical sharpened hooks hit the market and, well, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a bit like, you know, like we used to get the file out and drag across the tips of the sea kings, mm. the mustard sea kings and the sea demons and all that, and that's when you're going to get chasing game fish. But, you know, like I'd still... Sit there with eight oh and ten oh Edgar Seely fishing from Mulloway, and I'd always put a file or a, a stone across the point, and it sticky hook. Mate, I, I I recall sitting down there. I, I love my four two hundreds. I know you're a four two o two D, um, you know, lover, but I do like the four twos, mm. uh, mate. I, I remember sitting off some of the the rocks there and the rock walls, and even to today, like if I don't have a file with me, is use a rock. Use a rock. If you, if there's a rock sitting beside you, just get the the, the the shank of the hook, put it in your hands, and then just get the bar where it comes around, obviously, to the to the gauge, to the point, and just give it a little flick up on a on a smoother rock, and you'll find it'll just put it'll just just make it of that little bit more needle sharp, particularly if you're fishing off rocks and you're you're getting a bit of a hook up here and there and you're sort of pulling it back in. It's gonna blunt your hook. So just give it a little bit mm. of a, a sharpen. I mean, you know, if you don't have a file, use whatever you can to make that hook sticky, yeah? But it's like I tell guys, if knives, you can use the bottom of a ceramic coffee cup because it, you'll generally have that um, unsealed edge on the bottom. Mm. That's enough to just put an edge back on your knife. And if you wind your car window down, that radius bit of glass at the top of your window, that'll that'll help stand an edge back up. 
Yeah, mate. Well, I tell you, there you have it. See, these are the little tips that we that we uh, that we love to share here on the uh, Step Outside podcast, mate. Um, hey, listen, yeah, listen. Just, mm-hmm. just what I got to do. I want to go back to the ghost crabs, right? Yes, because um, <laughs> they're very hard to catch because as, as soon as you put a light on them, they scurry. Yeah. So all you need is is an ice cream container and two pillies. Really, and just and so what? Yeah, smooth the area out that you're going to. Your, your, your ice cream container, and you dig a hole, and you bury the ice cream container, and then smooth the surface so it's level with the top of the ice cream container. Yeah. Put your pillies in there, and then the ghost crabs come in there, and they go, oh, they'll jump down in to get the crab, to get the pillies. Yeah. They can't climb out. No, of course, too slow. <laughs> what a great that's, idea! What a great idea! Yeah, that's it. that's how he catch the ghost crabs. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Mate, I, I, I un, unbelievable. All right, well, I didn't know that because I'm thinking to myself, how do you down chase these things around the beach? Mm. You know, but I, I tell you, another one is with the pippies at night time. Yeah, you can feel them in your feet, but if you've got a headlamp, look in mm-hmm. the sand. You'll see this little pearl, like a pearl shine, and there'll be like six or eight together in an area, say you know, a square foot. They're pippies. And they, yeah, absolutely. And they, they they'll 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 glisten up with the shine of your headlamp, and then instantly they they sort of go down. Give them three seconds, they're gone. So just go over to there, put your foot down, and just give it a bit of a pippy shuffle, and you'll. Right, so they, they they're actually bo- they're bobbing. They're bobbing. Right, I do it. They come when Correct. the wave comes back. You'll see them. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, you'll see just the little pearl part of them, and then there'll be nothing. So you might see, like I said, six or eight together. And they're your, they're your pippies. Great way to do it. And it, it just shows that people that throughout the day, if you're too busy or time poor, you can still catch bait at night time. That's what it's all about, really. Yeah. The beach worms, how do they go under the torch? They get a little bit doughy, don't they? Yeah, mate, yeah, we didn't get a lot. I mean, we've got a few, but it was, um, it was you know, mate, mate, throughout the day, we get a lot of beach worms there. But just at night time, it was, uh, it was actually quite quiet for us. Uh, you know, um, throughout the day, like I said, you know, you can pull 20 or 30 or as, as many as you need within the legal limits. But... Uh, you know, at night, yeah, mate, we, we actually struggled to find them. The ones we did find, we caught, but uh, yeah. And there's a lot of people using the LV worm pliers out there too, which is great because, you know, they're a good plier. The long nose pliers that you have and you just have in your toolbox, you'll find that you can squeeze down too hard and you'll rip the head off. Whereas the LV uh, graphite worm plier, fairly light to use, of course, being graphite, yep. but they've got little teeth on the end of their long nose and uh, it just grabs the worm and sort of, Pinces the top of his of his head. That's right. Yeah, it doesn't, does it, it doesn't break the worm, but no. yeah. And once you've got a good hold, you can always use the other hand to go down six inches down the worm and help get another grip on him. But tip with the hourly uh, worming pliers, which I do, I get a bit of Venetian blind cord and I make a little lanyard so it sits around the wrist. Yes, and that okay. way it can't fall off. You know, yeah. So that's how you've always got it there, and then you've got your finger bait on the other hand, and you've got your stink belt attached to your belt. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, there you go. So I, might so, give, I might give Night Worming a go. Yeah. Oh, well, mate, I, I, you should. Just give it a crack and see how you go because it's a massive difference and it's fun and you can do it after duck. It's great. Yeah, well, well, we'll give it a go. There you go. Something else I've learned. Good on you, mate. Hey, PJ, I'm going to wrap it up there, buddy. Thanks for your time, mate. You going fishing uh, at the moment or what, what are your plans for the next few days? Um, hopefully Tuesday is our... Um, is our window here? We might get a day out. I go out and see if we can get the run of the last bodies. I went out last week, no spotty. Yes, but uh, we did get some big mac tuna. Right, okay. uh, nine kilo fellas. So I've got plenty of baits to snapper, but I put some in the smoker birdie. Ah, uh, how was it? 
beautiful. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, there you yeah, go. yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. So what I did is a really hard salt brine for eight hours. Yep. And then um, I took them out and I put them in pickle mix for 24 hours. Okay. And that makes a big difference, then, eh? Yeah, and then put them on a the smoker and I smoked them with cherry and apple wood. Geez, they come up nice. Oh, see, that sounds good. See, that sounds – that's something I could give that a crack. I like a bit of smoking on the uh, on the bar. We've got a Traeger there. We do a lot of smoking with meat on that. So, you know, I haven't done a fish on it. I've actually, uh, I have done a fish on it, but I haven't done tuna. I'd like to do tuna on that sort of thing. A little bit more. Well, if you go and get yourself a long tail, mate, you'll, you'll be in really good uh, good country there mm. to uh, start smoking some nice uh, long tail. Yeah, mate, that sounds like a sounds like a, a bloody good plan to me, mate. We'll see how we go, eh? <laughs> Thank you for the bell. All right, right mate. Bertie. Hey, good talking to you, buddy. And uh, take care of yourself. And, mate, mate, I'm sure we'll be uh, talking to you in the next few days anyway, off air. Yeah, thanks for uh, having us on again, mate. Too easy, mate. No worries, mate. That's greatly appreciated. That's PJ Peter Johnson there, everyone. He's an LV ambassador and an absolute good bloke. And knows a lot about fishing. Ex-pro. So I'll tell you what, he did it for a living. So he's... Very helpful in sharing his knowledge through to you guys out there as well. Uh, thanks for listening to our Step Outside podcast. Of course, Step Outside across the nation every weekend. And, of course, last season's shows Monday through to Friday. That means you get your seven-day fix every day across the country. May your rod bend off, and everyone, take it easy. Step Outside.